In September of 2016, just before Rosh Hashanah, I received a phone call from the JCC San Francisco, and it wasn't to make me feel guilty about not using the gym membership. It was from their leadership. They were hosting the comic Kamau Bell's live radio show on KALW called Kamau Right Now. It was going to be on KALW and live streamed the next day at the JCC. And they had just been made aware from Kamau's team that his segment, which he does for every radio show, which is called Awkward Talk, was going to be about why can't the Jews just talk about Israel and Palestine? He was inviting a member of the organization Jewish Voice for Peace, interestingly enough, also named Sydney and also gay, to talk about why Jews can't talk about Israel and Palestine. And the JCC was calling me to see if I might jump onto the stage the next day with Kamau Bell and Jewish Voice for Peace and talk about Israel and Palestine on the radio in front of 400 people. The other option was canceling the show at the last minute. That was out of the question for a lot of reasons. And jumping into the conversation seemed a little crazy for me at the last minute, but when the Jews call, I usually pick up the phone. So I did. Everyone assumed that the other Sydney did not share most of my beliefs about Israel and Palestine, and so that's what would make it awkward, especially in a public forum in Canbar Hall, live broadcasted on KALW. I did not assume that the other Sydney, who I had never met before, was my opponent or my enemy or was out to get me. I had a hunch, and I still do after these last five years, that given the opportunity, most people would rather be included, have a conversation, a beer, a glass of wine or a seltzer, and feel that they were heard and seen and known. I trust that we all want more friends than enemies. It might not feel that way today in our world or our country or when you visit Washington, D.C. or through this pandemic, but in my heart, I believe it's true. And hats off to Kamau Bell. I started out the conversation mad as hell, feeling like he put me in a really difficult position. And I actually left the stage that day at the JCC, grateful that he was willing to take the chance on having that kind of conversation in the Jewish Community Center. And as it turned out, the other Sydney and I agreed with each other far more than we disagreed about Palestine and Israel, me pointing out that we are all members of a tribe, and what tribe that has an ancestral homeland that is land doesn't have a disagreement. And obviously, Kamau, I pointed out, didn't realize how awkward it was because that's pretty much all we ever talk about as a Jewish community. So it turned out at the end that um, Sydney and I realized that we were a member of many tribes together, the Jews and the queers named Sydney. It was like a micro-tribe within our tribe. Now, if you haven't heard of Kamau Bell, Kamau Bell is a seriously talented comic, and he's a Bay Area local. His newest project is a Showtime documentary series called We Have to Talk About Bill Cosby. The truth is that I do not agree with Kamau about a lot of things, but that does not cancel out my admiration and respect for the courage he has in tackling very challenging subjects making them personal and airing them for one and all to see, to hear, to discuss, and even argue about together. In this month's Vanity Fair, they interviewed him about this new series. They asked him, you say in the trailer that taking on Bill Cosby as a subject scared you because you felt like you needed to do it. Why did you feel like you needed to do it, and what exactly scared you? Kamal replied, 
It's the same question as like, why would you go to talk to the Ku Klux Klan? Why would you talk to white nationalist and anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist, theorist Richard Spencer? There's something about me, and maybe I blame my mom. Well, this is him talking, not me blaming my mom. I will just let you know, okay? She's sitting right there. He said, there's something about me, and maybe I blame my mom, that is drawn to complicated conversations and drawn to figuring out how can we learn from these things so that we don't have to keep having this conversation over again or keep avoiding the conversation. He said, I'm still experiencing fear for when this comes out in a wide way, how people respond to it. Some people I know are going to hate it and never even watch it. I totally relate to him, especially as a comic and as a public figure and as somebody who has brought up controversial subjects. And sometimes I feel like on Shabbat or on the High Holy Days, I should stand up these days with a disclaimer and say, something that I say tonight may or probably will be used against me or I might be canceled for. It will offend you or it might make you upset. As a queer Jewish woman rabbi, I'm grateful that we're finally moving in the direction of calling out and calling in what's wrong. But I fear that we aren't going to take the time and resources to figure out what belongs in the wrong and right category and who gets to decide what's wrong and what's right. Zero tolerance for things that we should no longer be tolerating, but it feels like we aren't making discerning decisions of what goes into the zero tolerance bucket. Take just a few weeks ago, the Whoopi Goldberg anti-Semitism episode on The View. Did Whoopi Goldberg say something that could be considered anti-Semitic? Yes. Did she apologize? Yes. Do I personally feel she'd have been, she should have been removed from The View for two weeks? No. If I was in the position of having, of having that kind of power, I would have told Whoopi that the next two weeks of episodes on The View were going to focus on machlokit, or discourse on, to on topics which people disagree on, are ignorant about, stay away from out of fear, and have that focus to allow the conversations about anti-Semitism to be in the public eye in order to educate America about who are the Jews and what actually is anti-Semitism. Do we want allies or enemies who were canceled and called out and left out of the conversation? I grew up with two ideas or ideals about disagreements. First one, let's agree to disagree, which I think came from kind of the notion of three Jews, seven opinions, so you better learn how to disagree. And machloket, this idea that there's an actual value, according to our tradition, for disagreement for the sake of heaven. In Pirkei Avot, in the Mishnah, it asks, what is the difference between a machloket that is for the sake of heaven and one that isn't? And it says that the one that is for the sake of heaven is the argument that was had between Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai, because it was actually an argument that was to define who we were and our values and our practice as a Jewish people. And the argument that was not for the sake of heaven was the um, argument of Korach against the people of Israel. There's a beautiful uh, book that one of my rabbis of blessed memory, Rabbi David Hartman, wrote called A Heart of Many Rooms. Think about what that means, A Heart of Many Rooms. He took the title from a text called the Tosefta, which says, make for yourself a heart of many rooms and enter into it the words of Beit Shammai and the words of Beit Hillel, of these two rabbis. The words of those who declare a matter impure and those who declare it pure. And as if you don't know, Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai, who usually won out the arguments? Rabbi Hillel, and we know that because who's ever seen a Shammai house on a college campus, right? 
So Rabbi David Hartman wrote in A Heart of Many Rooms, in other words, become a person in whom different opinions can reside together in the very depths of your soul. Become a religious person who can live with ambiguity, who can feel religious conviction and passion without the need for simplicity and absolute certainty. And so on this Shabbat, when we think about people who have been canceled or have been called out or we haven't included or let into the conversation, let's think about this very portion on this Shabbat of Titzaveh where it says that Aaron shall carry the names of the sons of Israel on the breastpiece of decision, the Hoshan, over his heart when he enters the sanctuary for remembrance before Adonai at all times. Inside that breastpiece of decision, you place the Urim and the Tumim over Aaron's heart, and on them were the names of all 12 tribes. Now, does anybody here have a sibling? Can you imagine having 11 of them and having an, agree an agreement on almost anything? I think the idea from the Torah portion of us carrying with us all of these conflicts, all of the different opinions, should be an aspiration and inspiration to us. So that maybe this Shabbat or maybe every Shabbat can be the gift that we need to shift the world to the way that we know it can be. First, we need to just open our minds, our hearts, our eyes and ears and see what might come out of our mouths when we do that. Shabbat Shalom.